Hey everyone, welcome to the Matt Report. I'm your guest, Matt, as always, and this is the show where we talk to freelancers, developers, designers. This isn't just geek speak. We're talking to folks about their business, about their careers in WordPress. And today I'm joined by Ryan Duff. Ryan, how are you? Good. How are you, Matt? Good to see you. Um, like I said, we're talking about careers. We're talking about freelancing. We're talking about transitioning into agencies. Why don't you give folks the two-minute drill about who you are, what you've been up to for the last few years? Uh, started off, I've been using WordPress since 2004. Um, didn't get into the freelance stuff till about 2009. Um, finally started there. Uh, I had been laid off and was kind of between jobs. And I said, you know what, I, I was kind of getting back into the community. I said, well, now's no better time than present to, uh, to get in and, and, you know, make this something that I can, uh, you know, make a living on. So I did that, I guess it was, maybe it was 2010, I did it for, you know, two or three years. And uh, just recently, as of the beginning of January, I kind of shelved that for a little bit um, to, you know, go and work over at Web Dev Studios, where I'm part of a, a team doing uh, some really awesome work, so. Nice. So, uh, in your early days of using WordPress, you said you kind of, maybe it sounded like you dipped out of the WordPress community for a little bit, and then you went back in. I did. Um, there was there was some drama that went on back in the day. There was there was a handful of things. Um, a lot of people seem like they came in after uh, you know some of that happened. But I guess it was maybe I'm trying to think back. At some point in two thousand six, I think there was some uh, dissent and some people left. Some good developers left uh, and went over and started Habari. Um, I was busy in life at the time, and so I kind of just stepped away at the same time all this drama was going, and I was out for about two years, which uh, in the end caused me to miss a, a handful of good uh, version releases. Um, so when I kind of jumped back into it and started freelancing again and getting back into the community, I kind of had a little catch-up uh, to do and, and you know, new APIs and stuff that didn't exist two years before. Yep. Um, there were some great strides made in those two years, so it was a bit of a learning curve for me to jump back in. But yes, I was gone for a brief period. Back in the, back in the day before, you, before these major releases happened, how were you using WordPress as, from a freelancer point of view? Were you just uh, you know, doing the, the typical, hey, I'll build you a website? Were you focusing on something specific with WordPress back then? I, um, back before I kind of stepped out of the community, I was, it was nothing more than a hobby for me. Um, so, you know, I had been using since I think it was about version 1.2, uh, when I started, this was right around the time of the movable type mass exodus. And I kind of didn't come in through movable type, but it was when a whole bunch of other people uh, came in and the community really expanded. Um, and I was at the time just using it as a blogging platform. I had a couple sites I was playing around, you know, this was, it was right around the time that the myhacks.php stuff went away and we actually had a, a plugin architecture to use. Um, so what I was doing back then in 2004 and 2005 was I actually built the WordPress contact form plugin, um, which was the first plugin that was out there. Um, and you know, I was learning PHP at the time, but we made something, uh, and it was cool and it worked because back then there was, there was a need to be filled. There was no way to contact a blog author other than leaving a comment on, on a post and hope that they saw it and, and responded either there or emailed you back. So very nice. Um, then you transition out. What was your biggest? What was your biggest hurdle when you came back? Um, was it just playing catch up to from the technical aspect? Was it trying to learn the new community? Learn how WordPress has changed? What challenges did you face when you jump back into it? I think the community overall 
was the same minus the absence of, of a handful of people. Um, I think the biggest hurdle was really just learning the, the code base changes that had happened in two years um, and some of those key things that, that came in and, and things that went away uh, you know, in that in that period, because you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't actively even using WordPress as a blogging platform for those two years, so I didn't have a site that I was even upgrading and seeing these things. I just did a major version jump. From, like, we skipped like three or four versions, and it was like, "Well, what's this new thing?" Yep. <laughs> um, we, when I talk to some of uh, other some of the other freelance developers and designers, they talk about how the person who's just starting out in WordPress, how they should interact with folks at WordCamps and, and community forums. Uh, so from you having that, you know, working with it for a little bit, then taking maybe a couple of years off, then jumping back in, um, what, you know, how did you connect with everybody again on through the community? Was it just jumping back into WordCamps, getting back on the forums? What was your tactic? Um, it, it was really WordCamps. I had never been, I think around the time I left, I, I believe if I remember correctly, it was about 2006 was when WordCamp San Francisco first started, um, which I didn't go to, and that was kind of about when I bailed on the community. Um, so I didn't ever really experience one until I came back in. So it was, it was like late 2008, I think I started again. And in 2009, um, I went to my first WordCamp. It was WordCamp Mid-Atlantic down in Baltimore. And I met some people. I met Aaron Brazell, who I had known for years online through IRC, um, for the first time in public and a handful of other people. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought, Hey, this is cool. You know, I get to see some people that I've you know known for years and never met. So between that and jumping in and, and meeting people in real life, um, and kind of, that kind of spurred me to kind of get back into the community because there was this, when I left, there wasn't this face-to-face public community. It was all just people you knew on IRC. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really that. And then from there, I went to, you know, WordCamp New York. Then I spoke at WordCamp Raleigh and I've done, you know, more than I can count on my hands, either attended or spoken at since then. Uh, that's been my big jump back in, though, and and I always tell people, uh, you know, myself as a as a meetup organizer as well, um, to go to WordCamps. That's one thing I always preach, uh, you know, to my to my meetup crew is to, you know, we have a few in the area. Try and get to them because you will learn so much in a weekend if you do. Yeah, no, I I agree one thousand percent. I think that's I think that's a great place to start, though. If you're if you're getting in or coming back into the community, is that that interaction? It's a great tool. Yeah. Um, so how long did you freelance before jumping in with Web Dev Studios? I think it was about two years uh, officially that I did it, uh, you know, an, under my own company before I jumped into Web Dev. Uh, you know, I had done some, you know, here and there, um, but not, you know, under, under an official company at all. What was your biggest challenges when you were freelancing for those two years with uh, either using WordPress or dealing with clients? I think it was... Uh, you know, making time work and, and also that, that learning process of, you know, starting a company, running a company, um, it, it's not as easy as you would think it would be. There's a lot of challenges, especially when you start working on, uh, you know, larger scale projects, um, which is something that, you know, kind of has always interested me. Um, I always liked that plug-in back-end architecture and doing cool things with WordPress. So I wasn't one to sit and take, you know, a little $1,000, develop a theme for somebody type job. I wanted those bigger, you know, high-end development jobs. So that kind of right there was probably an extra hurdle for me because it adds, you know, another layer of of complication. Yeah. Uh, One of the questions I do ask a lot of folks is how they deal with that that $500 client. Um, Part of the show is 
to help educate folks that are freelancers, developers, and designers so that they can elevate themselves from that $500 job. And mm -hmm. also a little side task is to educate uh, possibly the clients, the marketers who think that they can just get this whole expansive project for 500 bucks. Um, so how did you deal with that client that came knocking on the door perhaps that said, can you build me a site for 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, something like that? Um, normally it was never an issue for me because the clients either respected, uh, you know, the estimates I gave them or I was, e I was able to, um, more or less just ignore those requests that came in the quote request because I was booked up and I would just explain to someone, Hey, you know, listen, I never dealt with as much of, you know, having to educate a client on that. I had a few where, you know, it came close and I gave them a price and said, listen, I can't do it for that. And they came back, you know, and ended up wanting to do it. It wasn't a $500 project. It was a little more, but it was the same principle of, you know, not understanding, you know, what the, the cost value is there for what they want. Did you spend a lot of time um, before giving them the estimate so that they, or the proposal so that they knew um, of what they were getting from you? Or was it coming from just word of mouth recommendation? They already knew that you were at a certain level. I think a lot of the work that I came in was either through referrals or, um, you know, just word of mouth. I think that the, the word camp and the networking that went on there, you know, really did help drive a lot of work in in the beginning, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because I had done, I think I had done one or two before I officially started and then a handful that first year as well and, and since then. So I think a lot of it was, you know, as a, the direct result of that. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we, I think online marketing, business, um, startup culture, startup mentality, it's very glorified um, and, and held up uh, pretty high on a pedestal when, you know, people are, who are looking to find extra income or starting their first business, they start, you know, searching around the web. They find these people who are making millions of dollars through a blog and, and it's always like, you know, start a WordPress site, you can start selling stuff, you can start blogging, uh, you can start building an application and ooh, you could be like, you know, Silicon Valley and, you know, look at all the millions of dollars they're making. <laughs> um, they don't understand how hard it really is uh, to run a business. What was that? What, what do you think the one thing you could pull out from running it on your own, you could say, Boy, this really sucked. <laughs> I really wish I didn't have to deal with this. Um, that would probably be uh, as a and I've as I've since learned scoping and making sure everything was accurately scoped, setting milestones. It was harder in the beginning than it was. You know, you get better at that over time. But it's definitely that that aspect of it um, and project management is one thing I you know, kind of like now that I'm with a company, I don't have to deal with that aspect and, and chasing clients for money. So, yeah. but definitely this, the scoping and setting client expectations is a big, um, the big thing that communication, being able to interface with clients and, um, also reset expectations when something goes wrong and you need to have that dialogue and say, Hey, listen, this isn't working out. Um, you know, either timeline or, or budget wise, um, that's, that's difficult in the beginning, yeah. uh, unless you already have really good communication skills coming in. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one of the things uh, that interests me about this talk is that you now are transitioning over to WebDev or already are at WebDev Studios. Um, how did you go about getting uh, involved with them? Did they find you at, at WordCamps? Was that you're in with them or did you just reach out to them and say, hey, you guys are, are the ones I want to work for? Um, they actually reached out to me and the timing was really good on it. Um, because you know we were looking at a couple things, and uh, this was right around the time. So I, I had known this was going on since around October. 
um, we finally sat down at Pressnomics uh, with uh, Brian and Brad and Lisa. Um, Lisa, this was when Lisa was joining, and, and essentially what happened was they needed, they knew they needed a few more developers. So they said, you know, who do we know? Who can we reach out to? Maybe that would want to come on and work with us. And that's why I was approached. Um, you know, because I've known all all of them for years. I mean, we were all friends, so you know, it made sense. It's it's people I know, people I trust. Um, you know, we have a good relationship going, so you know, it kind of made sense to to see if you know I wanted to join the team. Very nice. Um, and the timing was good uh, because right now my wife stays home with the kids, and as a freelancer, you know, I didn't have health insurance except for really high cost. So you know, getting that that steady paycheck and being able to get insurance, you know, everything just kind of fell into place. Uh, you know, with this job offer, and you know, the timing was great. The um, the steady paycheck is something I hear a lot too. That folks, when they say I I want to get out of freelancing because I just I want to get that steady paycheck. I don't want to have to worry about you know selling my time um, to get paid. What are the other benefits that you found joining the team, creatively, development wise, um, support wise, learning wise? Um, what are the other benefits of joining a team like them? Um, it, it's pretty much all of the above, you know, you know, as well as that, the, the fringe benefits you get, there's that, um, there is that team and that, that you can reach out to, Hey, listen, uh, can you look at this code? What do you think of this? Or, Hey, you know, I'm not sure how to approach this, that type of stuff. I always had people that I would reach out to, you know, on Skype friends, you know, that I've known for years and, and, uh, you know, like John Hawkins and I both bounce ideas back and forth off each other from time to time. Uh, you know, he'll get stumped or I'll, I'll get stumped on something. All of a sudden, you know, we're, we're having a 20-minute call on Skype talking something out. And it's amazing, you know, which do, but you don't, some freelancers don't have that unless you get the networking and, and, you know, that type of stuff as well and the friends that you can do. If you're on your own, you know, it really does hurt. But that, that being able to reach out to someone, to rely on someone, or you get stuck, you know, hey, I don't know how to do this. When I was freelancing, if I get stuck on something like... As of a month or two ago, you know, I wasn't really good at JavaScript, and I didn't focus on front-end development as much. I would hire someone to do, if I had a full project, I'd say, okay, you develop this theme and do the HTML and CSS for me, and I'll do the rest of the work. Because I frankly just didn't want to be bothered wasting my time doing it. <laughs> I can do CSS work, but I just didn't like having to sit down and do a full theme. Right, right. So, and, but as a team... I have that ability to say, hey, Brad, listen, I'm stumped on this. Can, uh, can we get one of the other guys to do this little last piece that I need to do because I'm not quite sure how to do it, and they can do it a lot faster than me spinning my wheels. Yeah. You don't have that ability as, as a freelancer by yourself without actually contracting out to someone else usually. Yeah. Um, would you suggest or would you recommend the person who, the stu- let's say the student who's just graduating, quote-unquote, um, do you suggest them that they go and freelance or jumping into an agency right away? Um, to get their experience, uh, or in other words, did how how much did the freelancing you know fortify um, where you are today? Um, you know, the freelancing will it, it'll kind of make or break you and and your opinions as well because uh, you know if you can go into it and you can learn a lot from the experience, or you can go into it and it's just going to give you a negative experience. Um, so I think it depends on you know each individual person and your personality. As far as in Freelancing or an agency, I would really put that down on how much you can book yourself. Um, you know, if you know that you can get yourself booked for a month or two and you're confident in your abilities that you'll be able to handle everything, then take that jump and do the freelance. If you're not sure, go to an agency where you'll have that steady income and you can improve your skills. To the point that maybe you can either stay there or jump out and freelance on your own, and you know have that opportunity to make a little bit more money if that's what you want. Yeah, 
are there two uh, or does the agency and the freelancing bring the same time pressure but just in different uh, conte- uh, contexts? In other words, client, big client now at an agency wants something done in two weeks versus small client wanting something done in two weeks when you were a freelancer. Do they share that same kind of time pressure um, in both cases? Yeah, I, th- I think you get kind of both on both sides. It's a little bit different, you know. Um, I would say it's still high pressure in an agency or, or team environment, um, but you have the ability that, of people that you can fall back on. Mm-hmm. So that pressure is, is negated a little bit. Whereas when you're a freelancer and a client comes to you, I need this done immediately, and you're and you know you're really going to be pushing, or you know maybe having to do you know two weeks at sixty to you know seventy hours just to get it done. That kind of puts you in that high stress environment, which most people don't work well under. Some people the pressure helps, but other people, um, you know that that stress can actually make you less productive. Yeah, I mean I, I ask that because one of my interviews, Jose Caballero, who ran uh, or runs the group. Um, you know, he's doing projects of 150,000 plus, And he's saying, really, the only difference is just another zero. Everyone still has the same communication issues, the same mm-hmm. time constraints, the same billing, uh, you know, not paying, uh, you know, when they're supposed to. It's all the same, whether it be somebody who's just making pizzas or, you know, a Fortune 50 company. It's the same kind of thing, but just a couple of zeros tacked on to the end. So it's always interesting to see people coming out of freelancing and into an agency, but they're expecting that they actually see the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about uh, the the uh, working at the agency, working from the virtual side. Uh, is there an office that you all have to to go and collaborate at every few months, or is it just all online and that's how you guys communicate and manage projects? No, um, we're all online. Uh, we have you know an IRC channel that we're in most of the day. Um, we have a, a daily Monday morning call that kind of sets the outline for the week, who's working on what, what days. Um, and we have you know a daily scrum call at the end of the day to kind of see what everyone got done, where everyone's at, um, amongst having other individual calls throughout the day with you know members of the team. If you know you have a question or you need to collaborate on something, Skype's a, a great tool for what we uh, for what we do, um, and I think that keeps us uh, pretty well together. We don't have. Um, we're not as geographically close as we used to be. Early on in uh, web dev, it used to be where most of the team, I think, was closer to Philly, so it was easier to get everyone together. But now we have people in, uh, you know, Lisa's in Wisconsin, and we have someone in South Dakota, Shane's in uh, down in Texas. So you know, we have we have people spread out all over, which makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, um, I also bring that up. Uh, sorry to start <laughs> to always throw these soft curveball pitches at you, but I bring that up because I hear a lot of, of the, uh, developers and freelancers going into an agency saying, yeah, I joined the agency, but there's all these meetings, there's all these roll calls, you know, there's the scrum calls. Um, sometimes it's counterproductive. Uh, you know, it, it, do you f- find any of that um, kind of stuff going on where you're like, this is just, you know, this is just having a meeting to have a meeting kind of thing? No, we don't really do that. Like our scrum calls are, we keep them short, you know, 15 minutes every once in a while, you know, we might go 20, 25, but usually it's, you know, it takes us about 15 minutes to go through all, you know, 10, 10 or so employees. Um, and that's it. You know, we keep them short, keep the meeting focused and, and, you know, um, I would say that's probably the best. I yeah. think the, the worst meeting, and you're going to get this everywhere is those status calls where kind of things drag on or, you know, 
you know, when I worked in banking, we had these two and everyone just, you'd sit there on a conference call. Exactly. So, you know, some of that stuff, it's, but you'll get that with any time because you have to interface with clients and you have to have, you know, a weekly call and update, you know, and it's, it's not as bad when it's maybe just you and it's a quick call. Um, you know, when you work on a project with other people or, you know, collaborate with a different agency and you have someone going through, you know, covering the design side and, you know, half the call is not relevant to you, then it kind of gets there. But, you know, we keep the, we keep our calls short and on, on topic if we can, no matter what they are. Um, I would say overall, the, the meeting experience from all the, everything that I've had to be in, whether it's uh, internal or, or external with a client, is, is way better than anything I had when I was in corporate, uh, you know, which yeah. always either just drug on for one reason or another. But, yeah. yeah. Um, great. I mean, so it sounds like the transition from freelance to working at an agency isn't half bad. Steady paycheck, you get the benefits, and you get a team to support you. Um, and especially when it's a progressive team like Web Dev Studios that, you know, it's only good things to come. Um, let's talk about something. Let's, let's roll up the sleeves. Let's get this conversation started, really started about the WordPress community. Now, this is something that I like to talk about. You're a pretty outspoken guy. I don't think you really, uh, you know, on Twitter at least that, uh, you know, you really share your mind and I, and I really love that's why I follow you because, you know, I, I love seeing the stuff that you come up with, not just on the comedic side, but on the, you know, the hard factual side. I usually put this lightly to, to guests that really aren't really thinking about the community and they're like, oh, I love the community. Everybody gives hugs and we all love each other, that kind of thing. When I first got into the WordPress community about four years ago, previously coming out of Drupal community, um, I saw a clear line, a clear division line from the haves and the have-nots in, in, in WordPress, um, especially at WordCamps. Um, I saw some people who were super talented that were just afraid to push themselves up to this next level, right? To get to where those people are with that they were kind of looking at saying, wow, those are the, those are the cool guys, you know, those are the automaticians, those are the code poets. Um, what is it about the WordPress community that kind of draws that, 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 that line down the, down, the, uh, down the center? Is it just human nature? Is that, uh, you know, or maybe I'm just looking at it all wrong. I think, you know, it, it does exist. I think it's a factor of things. I think there's some, you know, there's things that have been said on and off in cases that maybe come off wrong or, you know, I'm, I've been accused of doing that before, so it's nothing new for me. Um, but, you know, I see it go on as well, and it happens. And there's things that, you know, I look back on and say, well, that probably wasn't, whether it's something that I said or something someone else said, that probably wasn't the right way to handle that situation. It probably came off wrong. And there's people that aren't in that in crowd that took it wrong or, um, you know, it's, it's changed their perceptions on things. Um, I think the other part is there's probably some intimidation as well. You know, we try to be an open group, but I still think there's that intimidation factor of, wow, these people are so smart, they do this and whatever. You know, I, when I first started going to WordCamps, I was kind of intimidated by some of these people, you know, like Mark Jaquith and, and you know, going up and talking to him and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that are that way. You know, the first time I met Matt, and it was just like, am I really talking to him? It was, it was kind of weird. But, you know, I think that really is what happens. I think we could do a better job at WordCamps of, you know, going out and talking to other people. And, you know, and it is clear. You can see who's there as, as a developer in that in crowd and who hangs out in the community in the IRC versus just the users that show up that really don't do much, anything more than use WordPress or maybe jump in the forums if they have a problem and post a question. But you know, they're not involved in track or they're not involved in, in you know, IRC discussions or anything like that. 
And I do agree. I think you can see that. I think we, I don't know how to do it, but I think we need to try and make a point, everyone that's there, to try and reach out to these people and open discussions with them in one way or another. Some, some of them are open, you know, when you're in a session and they'll ask the presenter questions. They may come up to you after, but the majority of them don't. Right. Um, and like I said, I really don't know what the, you know, the ultimate solution is to that to help get these people more involved. And some people don't want to be involved. So, you know, there's always that aspect too. They yeah. kind of just want to use, but they don't, you know, want to go out and, and really become a part of the community and help make the software better. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I look at it from the angle of, hey, everything is, you know, it's open source, it's giving back, it's, you know, either uh, tracking things in track or, or giving back to core or, um, Andrea Rennick doing the community initiative um, within the, within WordPress, but sometimes you have those same people who are preaching that openness and um, the democracy of WordPress, uh, but at the same time, kind of closing the doors and saying, "Oh no, you're not part of this, you know, little little cool group that I have over here." Um, so it, it is a shame to see sometimes, especially at the WordCamps, because you have a lot of new people coming there to experience this community. And then if they kind of sense that, they might just say, well, this is just another thing. I'm just not going to fit in with these people. So I don't know what the answer is either. <laughs> um, but No, uh, and, and, you know, I've seen that. But at the same time, I've been to enough WordCamps where I've seen people go up and talk to someone, you know, whether it's someone in, in uh, you know, that's a core developer or, you know, like Helen in, in the core UI group, stuff like that. You know, where someone's come up and, and approached a person like that that's on one of the, you know, one of the core team leads or someone that's even involved in one of those core teams and ended up as a result of talking to them, getting involved with, you know, whether it's helping out with UI or helping out with documentation. So, I mean, that does happen there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just not to the extent I think we would all like to see. Yeah. But, you know, there, it does happen. So it's not like we can go and say that it's not happening and there's, you know, a serious issue. Mm -hmm. Um so, I mean, that's the fact that it's happening is progress. I would just like to see it more, and I think everyone else would, too. Yeah, oh, I agree. Um, is there any one gripe, uh, all the good stuff we say about WordPress, is there any one gripe about the software that you think needs to change uh, for more user adoption, easier, ease of use, uh, maybe more development um, you know, uh, adoption, anything like that? I think a lot of my gripes are, or at least I should say, were slated to be addressed in, in 3.6. Um, I know a handful of them have gotten shelved, <coughs> excuse me, shelved now. Um, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to making it more of a, changing that architecture a little bit to make it a little more CMS and, and application platform friendly. Um, so things like, you know, post meta revisions that we can't have now. Um, you know, we have post revisions and the post revision system, uh, and also post statuses. Because while at this point we can integrate and set custom post statuses, um, it doesn't like I think all the functionality isn't built out to make it work like the rest of the core post statuses work. And if you look at the edit flow plugin and what um, you know needed to be done to make that work with custom post statuses um, outside of what was currently in core, I think that's kind of a testament to where that that architecture stands and, and how much it needs to be addressed and fixed. So, you know, things like that, seeing them getting fixed, that, those are kind of, because that's stuff that I use and can be used when you want to expand and start making WordPress into a development and application platform without having to get really, uh, you know, jinky in your code base and do stuff that's, you know, kind of out there to make it work. Do you ever feel that it might be going 
too far now. So now the, all the talk of WordPress as an application framework, uh, what happened to just blogging? Do you ever think that we're that we're expanding it too much, or are we just right? I, I think it's just right. I think you know that's the direction it's going. You know, WordPress powers what is it, sixteen point seven percent of the web. You know. You can't have. <laughs> it's hard to say. You know, that's all blogging, and and that's you know, if we leave it there, or if we leave it just at blogging, that number is never going to expand. So, you know, if if we want to democratize publishing and and you know allow WordPress to power a larger percentage of the web, I think that's the only way that you're going to allow that to happen is to change the underlying architecture a little bit more and get away from WordPress as just a blogging platform. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you have any thoughts on all these verticals that WordPress.com is is launching? Um, how that impacts the freelance market or or anything like that? Um, you know, I think it's they're at this point they're exploring growth channels and trying to figure out what to do. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do until you jump into that. So they're they're trying to find these niche markets and and do that. Um, you know, I don't. You know, they're they're a company. They're you know with investors, so they have a uh, you know whether this is being driven by that or not, I don't know. I've seen some talk on it, you know, regardless online, and I haven't paid too much attention to it this past week. But um, you know, either way, you still have that responsibility. So at this point, maybe they're just exploring uh, and seeing, you know, other revenue streams they can possibly tap. Um, I, I think it's fine. I don't think it necessarily hurts, and uh, you know, uh, any other freelancers unless they start, you know, and even then, you can't even claim that. Going after something that's already existing and duplicating that is is you know bad, right? Yeah, because that's the that's the openness, and you know I, I wish if there was a good product out there and they wanted to convert that into a vertical for .dot com that they would you know maybe buy out whatever that other person had developed and and use that as a basis for what they want to integrate. Um, so it kind of helps both parties out, but you know I can't say you know they don't they have they're under no obligation to do that. So right, right. Yeah, no, I, I just like to have those. I like to, to kind of brainstorm and, and kind of look at what the mothership is doing uh, from time to time uh, to understand, um, you know, th I try to make this an unbiased show, right? So I bring up the pros and the cons, the good and the bad, um, so that it's not just we all love WordPress, but we're making sure that uh, the community, the developers, the businesses are staying uh, humble and true, um, you know, to 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 what WordPress is, WordPress is all about, uh, community uh, and ecosystem and things like that. I think it's been a great, great interview, some awesome insights for those who are coming from the freelance realm, going into the agency realm, um, and then what it's like to be in there, uh, what it's like to deal with the community, good and bad. Um, so let's jump right into the next segment. Uh, which is called What's in Your Toolbox? Uh, what kind of software, hardware, or otherwise do you use to get through your day? Something like an Evernote, a, G, a Gmail, or an iPad that you have to have with you at all times? Um, my tool set that I basically use, I have you know, a couple communications platforms that we use. Uh, you know, I, I use IRC just because that's an easy way to jump in for anything WordPress related. Um, as far as development stuff, I have recently just changed to Sublime Text 2. Which I love so much more than Coda. Um, it's it's a great platform. I'm still learning some of the tips and tricks that go along with it. But I think you know it's not a f still a full blown IDE. But there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there, and it's made me a, a better and faster developer um, just in using it. So uh, is it as that's, beautiful as Coda. <laughs> I wouldn't. Some people do. If you if you like more of a strictly text editor. Yeah. Um, so. 
that's kind of my, I spend most of my day in that. Another application I would recommend would be SQL Pro, yep. um, which is a free database connection platform or application uh, for Mac. And I think, I don't remember if they make it for anything else at this point, but I know it at least has Mac. Um, I use that all the time. Kaleidoscope is good for um, you know diffs. It'll give you a little bit better. It does images. It's it's pricey, um, but it does folder structures and stuff. And you know I've used it in a case where you know maybe a site was compromised and you wanted to, to do a diff of you know what was on the server versus what a clean install looks like. Um, it'll do all that and show you change files, anything that's changed in the files throughout the whole folder structure. Um, that's about a hundred plus, right? That one. Uh, Kaleidoscope was seventy, I believe, and it was just on sale. I believe in January for like fifty percent off. It was thirty-five dollars, so I grabbed a copy of it then, and it was well worth it. Um, that's about it as far as what I spend my time in during the day. Uh, just Sublime Text SQL for for database stuff. And uh, what about project management? What do you use for that? Or what did you use for that in freelance? Uh, in project management, I used I used things for my personal, more of my personal side of things, and an overall. Uh, and then for actual projects where I invite clients in uh, Basecamp. Yep. Nice. Are you guys using Basecamp at WebDev? Yes. We actually just switched. We were on Basecamp Classic because of time tracking. And just as of, I believe, last week or the week before, we switched over to new Basecamp um, and using Harvest integration for time tracking. So, And that's nice. And, and Basecamp just came out with our new uh, mobile app for iPhone. Um, How do you like the new Basecamp? Good. I used it for my personal project, so actually when I joined WebDev in January and I had to go back to using Basecamp Classic, it was a bit of a learning curve because I wasn't really used to it. So I do miss the private messages in the new Basecamp. Yeah, there's no privacy stuff there, so that's kind of, it can be a little bit of a no- We're still trying to figure out how to work around that in some cases for stuff we need to keep private. Uh, but Yeah, it was, that was always a good uh, little, you know, to have just a private, the private talks within the same project for just the team and not the client to see. Um, yeah, we're still trying to figure that out too. Um, emails is where it's been. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> e- e- emails and labels, I you know, sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any other hardware? Are you an Android or an iOS guy? Uh, I do all Mac iOS. Um, so you know, I have my iPhone, an iPad. I have a MacBook Pro. I, l- I want to get a uh, an iMac for my desk as my main machine. Um, and then just keep the MacBook Pro for flexibility, but uh, I haven't gotten there yet. So I do right now, I just work off the 13-inch MacBook Pro with a, a 22-inch screen hooked up to it and a, a wireless keyboard and trackpad. I love the trackpad over, uh, over the, the wireless mouse just because I, I don't... I, once I started using it on the laptop, I kind of... Every time I grabbed a mouse, it just felt weird. So <laughs> I like the, the Apple gestures and all that stuff that you get that comes with the trackpad. Yeah. Nice. All right, perfect. Let's jump into the lightning round. We'll ask you a series of quick questions. You have a series of quick answers. Okay. Uh, the one plugin you cannot live without. Gravity Forms. Nice. Uh, favorite WordPress or business book? WordPress or business book. Um, I think I might know the book you're obliged to to say, but I, I, I yeah. The problem is, I actually have a couple because see, Lisa's an author and Brad's an author, yeah. so I'll say uh, I'll say pro uh, plugin development from Brad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, a quote you live or run your business by. I can't say I have one off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, the best business or career advice you've ever received. Work hard. Don't expect anything to be handed to you. Awesome. Uh, the longest a client project has ever taken? Six months. Wow, that's 
I was waiting here like three years. <laughs> I haven't had anything drag on that long. I've only been doing this for two years. <laughs> nice. Uh, if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be and why? I don't think it would be something I built because I don't know that I could put up with Joomla or Drupal. Yes, nine out of ten developers say they build their own. Um, who should I interview next? Brian Richards. Okay. Um, what's the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Don't know. What's a what's a Ryan C. Dove? <laughs> which, if you don't know, is a drink that a few people have named after me, which is a tall Captain Morgan with only a splash of Coke. <laughs> nice. I, I think I've seen some tweets after a couple of those. Yeah, there's been a bunch, and yeah, that's kind of like an internal joke we have. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, Ryan, I you know I can't thank you enough for doing this episode with me. This has been some awesome, useful advice, especially for the fr the freelancer who's just starting out or jumping into a new agency themselves. Um, I'd like to invite people to, uh, if they want to get more of this stuff, I'm now on iTunes. You can subscribe to me on iTunes or go to mattreport.com slash subscribe to get more of this. Ryan, where can people find you on the web and where can they say thanks? People can find me on my personal site, ryanduff.net, uh, or on Twitter at, uh, at Ryan C. Duff. Awesome. Everyone go say thanks to Ryan for doing this. He's given you some awesome advice, and hopefully uh, you can use it in your, uh, your own day-to-day -day freelance or new agency. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, Matt.